0: There's a lot of buzz about deepening decentralization. This is coming from many sectors, too. It's being discussed at a centralized crypto space, like at Coinbase, where its leadership is strategizing how to honor the decentralized and distributed products it promotes by fostering those technologies and values throughout the company. Additionally, as only a few social media companies have gathered so much power, The prospect of decentralization of the social media world is being raised as a potential counterbalance. There's also talk about how decentralization in the fintech arena is transforming the broader financial industry. Across an entire industry, decentralization might lead to more access for consumers as power disperses into a number of smaller organizations that are then able to hone in to serve underserved populations. In an individual company, decentralization may increase agility in some cases or empower leaders to innovate in the many castles they run as part of a greater kingdom. But decentralization is not necessarily a silver bullet for growth or for serving customers.
1: This had become, over 15 years, a very decentralized distributed company. So there were seven or eight product groups, six or seven go-to-market groups, six or seven delivery groups. And so it was super fragmented, super decentralized. And the number one thing you gotta do if you wanna scale and grow is you gotta centralize some of those big functions. That's
0: Steve Smith, the CEO of Zeo, a communications infrastructure company that ensures its customers have the fiber bandwidth they need to achieve their missions. Zayo is a respected company with a business model that's not going out of style, but it hit a wall in its own development. Find out on this episode of Business X Factors how Zayo centralized some functions while maintaining the spirit of its entrepreneurial culture. I'm Jeremy Bergeron, Vice President of Media Strategy at Mission.org. Welcome to Business X Factors. Each and every week, we'll take a look at the secret sauce that takes companies to the highest levels of success and then unpack how they got there. We'll explore how these organizations are run and what's so special about the people and the culture and the processes that make it all happen. Question for you. What do you think is the best use of technology? Our friends at Highland believe technology is about transforming the way we all work so we can be more informed, empowered, and connected through every interaction and in every relationship with everyone we serve. Highland is your X-Factor for better performance. Go to highland.com forward slash insights to learn more. That's H-Y-L-A-N-D dot com slash insights. Steve's career journey began in the military, which was the start of opening up the entire world to him.
1: I went to the military academy, went to West Point, and graduated in 79, and then uh, spent seven years in the military. You have a five-year commitment out of the the academies. I ended up staying in two extra years because when I was a captain, I became a general's aide to the commander-in-chief of the Pacific. So that was a cool job at that time as a young captain, but it was all peacetime. It was 79 to 87. And then I got out and went into the civilian world at that point. Steve retired
0: from the military more than 30 years ago, but the lessons he learned in his military career are still guiding him today, even in his wardrobe organization, which, by the way, is very impressive and is very much like my own perfectly ordered closet at home.
1: I have a huge bias for accident and urgency. You know, when you're in the military, you're training to go defend the country, and lives are at stake. And so the sense of urgency is huge. So I took some of that with me. I probably brought my whole high standard that I have with me. If I brought you to my house and showed you my closet, Jeremy, you'd laugh. I got all my white shirts and my blue shirts. Everything's hung exactly apart. So I have a very disciplined way of thinking about it. But after 30 years in the commercial world, you adapt. The employee base today is much different than it was a decade ago and much different than it was a decade before that. It's not about me anymore. I'm at the end of my career. So authenticity and humility. Were two big things I learned that I've kept with me for a very long time.
0: Steve's civilian career began at Ross Perot's outsourcing company, EDS. This 17 year experience, during which Steve was a country manager, took Steve and his family all over the world. They lived in Singapore, Hong Kong, New Zealand. After EDS, Steve took a job at HP and then at Equinix, where he served as CEO for a little over 10 years. And then a new opportunity presented itself at Zeo, an expanding communications infrastructure company in need of an outside perspective and a boost of energy. The thing that's so special about Zeo, and the hook that drew Steve in is that it is literally connecting the world together.
1: We connect the largest cell towers in the world that make 4G work and then 5G get enabled. We connect thousands of data centers around the world that move traffic all over the world. And we connect the biggest companies in the world that connect their buildings and their people. We're this connectivity tissue with fiber and services that sit on top of fiber to connect and densify networks. We're all about networks. We're all about making it easier to connect. And as you know, there's nothing faster than the speed of light. So fiber is super unique in that it's, there's nothing on the horizon that can disrupt fiber. Many CEOs come to work every day worried about What what technology that's coming out next could disrupt my business model? The great thing about this business model and one of the unique things of why I ended up agreeing, I knew the culture, I knew the people, I knew the customer base was very strong. I knew that the core of the business model, the fiber that connects all these things, there's just nothing on the horizon that's going to disrupt the speed of light. And now the services you're layering on top of this is going to change here as we go to the next generation. We're going to become more software-enabled we're gonna become easier to consume with our customers, and we're gonna develop proprietary capability that we're gonna take out to the market to to make it easier for our customers to move their data around the world.
0: Steve doesn't have concerns that Zayo's offerings will be disrupted due to new technology, but he does have to manage a large company that's grown over the years due to an integration of 46 acquisitions.
1: This is a 15-year-old company that was built on the back of 46 acquisitions. So this was a roll up where they bought companies that were providing connectivity all over the major metros in the U.S. And then they expanded into acquisitions that put them into Europe. But in the U.S., after 15 years of, of rolling up the industry, outside of what the big wireless guys had, Verizon, AT&T, Mo and Sprint. Of course, Timo and Sprint had merged. So it's down to three wireless carriers. And the government has sponsored a fourth one that's, that's building a new wireless carrier. It's a company called Dish. So there's four big wireless providers in the U.S., which are four of our biggest customers.
0: So the focus at, at, at Zeo used to be acquire these orphan networks of broadband operators across the country, yeah. consolidate them into this kind of larger network.
1: And they did integrate. Right. Everybody speaks Zeo. Even after 46 Mm. acquisitions, a logical question, Jeremy, would be, how many cultures are there? 46. They did a really good job integrating and synergizing the people, the assets, and the culture.
0: Zayo's acquisition model was vital to the company's growth, but perhaps even more impressive was its ability to seamlessly fold these acquired companies into the existing Zayo culture. So if it was all working so well, what was the problem? Why did Zayo end up knocking on Steve's door for guidance?
1: My predecessor, Dan Caruso, who is known in the industry as Mr. Fiber, we had a great relationship when I was running a company called Equinix, which became the largest data center business in the world. And so Zayo did a lot with us and we sold to them, they sold to us. So Dan and I have had a decade-old relationship and had mutual respect and really knew each other quite well. So when this company was public for quite a while, Started out, obviously, as private, went public in 2014, I think. Late 2019, it started to sputter a little bit. And so they were doing their quarterly earnings calls, had a couple tough quarters. And at that time, Dan, the board had reached out to me when it was public and asked me if I would consider joining the board. That conversation trickled into, would you ever consider running another company? And it it trickled into March of 20 when it got taken private by two of the biggest infrastructure funds, Digital Bridge and EQT. And Dan stayed with the business when it went from public to private for about seven months. They reached back out to me in September of 20 and said, we found out that you and Dan had talked about a year ago. And uh, would you be open to making a change? Dan would step away from this if you would come in. He won't step away from anybody else. And again, that was a little bit of relationship. I knew both investors. And one thing led to the next in October of late October of 20, I did step in as a CEO and Dan stepped away.
0: When Steve came on board, he was well aware that Zayo had great assets, but also that it needed some changes to increase growth.
1: I knew we had collected networks that made us the densest networks in some of the biggest NFL markets in the US. I knew that we had unique long haul routes between big cities that many customers relied on to move their their data traffic around the world. And I also knew that there was a, a pretty cool entrepreneurial culture here. This was a Boulder founded, became global company that had this entrepreneurial spirit and culture that was, we just do whatever it takes to to win. we're, We're fast, we're nimble. We beat the big guys because people like dealing with our people. I knew it had hit a wall. Growth had slowed down. Service excellence had become a little impaired with the big customers. And the investors were looking for someone to take it to the next chapter. And they had determined, and Dan did too, what got it there over 15 years wasn't the same formula to get it to the next chapter. So they were looking for a change agent and someone who was willing to come in and inject a bunch of things to to change it.
0: Zayo is a company that helps connect the world together. The technology it utilizes isn't going away, and it has this entrepreneurial culture that still exists despite its size after so many acquisitions. But it hit a wall, and that sometimes happens. How is Zayo climbing that wall as an entire company to get to the other side, which will be its great culture plus even more prosperity? Find out after the break. When I need help, I want someone who understands where I am now and where I'm coming from, but with a broader perspective. The folks at Highland are like that. Highland is a true partner to more than half of Fortune 100 companies, a partner that understands your industry and offers expertly tailored solutions that evolve with you. With Highland, you gain a complete view of information across your organization, along with the agility to compete at the top of your game and deliver better customer experiences. Highland is your X-Factor for better performance. Go to highland.com forward slash insights to learn more. That's H-Y-L-A-N-D dot com slash insights. Steve had recently taken the reins and was eager to start injecting fresh ideas into Zeo. He brought an awareness that part of becoming a company that customers really want to deal with starts with listening to them.
1: Most of the changes we made were driven on the back of customer feedback that said, listen, we love you guys. We need you in our networks, but you've gotten slow. You've gotten hard to deal with. Your quotes are slow, your pricing slow. Your responses are slow when we have an outage. Can you please go streamline and speed that stuff up? And quite frankly, centralization is a way to do that. Now, we'll stay in this operating model for multiple years, but it doesn't mean we won't tweak it as we go. You have to keep adapting. I can tell you that if you can go into any CTO or any CIO who are our primary buyers and make it easy for them to understand and make it simple for them to buy us and make it fast, they're gonna buy you. They're gonna buy your stuff.
0: Steve is creating new structures that will allow Zayo to listen to customers and industry leaders on a continual basis, to learn what they really need and then deliver that to them as smoothly as possible.
1: I call them a cab and a tab, a customer advisory board and a technology advisory board. We're going to get these folks together. They're friendly. They're advisors to Zale. They're big customers. We didn't spend enough time just thinking, just sitting in a room for a day, serve them dinner the night before, get the relationships going, sit in a room for a day with a very good agenda and talk about where the world is going. Where is technology going? Where are the business requirements going? Why is software enabling everything? So that we are looking around corners much further than we did before. I think what happened when you're acquiring so much, you're very consumed with integrating and synergizing. You're not really looking around corners. You're not looking out far. So the organic growth machine now is going to spend more time really understanding the future requirements, the evolutionary requirements that our customers are trying to get to so that we're kind of out-servicing them where they want to go, not where they are today, necessarily.
0: The next level for Zayo is getting a sense of its customers' future needs and really partnering with customers to be at their side as they grow and develop, too.
1: You can't do that with the salespeople that have a quota calling on those customers trying to meet their bookings, you know, targets every quarter. You have to carve out a separate group of people, which we've never done here, which we're in the process of, of building that capability, And let's call it business development. We're actually going in and talking to them about the future. And so that business development capability is the engine that's going to help us do customer and and, uh, market sensing. And you have to do that because if you I'm not worried about technology disrupting us because of the business model. I am worried about where is the next set of requirements going as the world continues to get more connected and what, what are the products and services that we need to innovate on? It's easier to do when it's centralized under one leader. So everybody's walking in the same direction. I don't have five different regions doing five different product developments. I've got one organization now and we are really starting to pick up the pace on innovating at a higher rate. We'll start doing patents. We'll start doing copyrights. We didn't have much of that here. With 15 years and we've we've done some pretty cool stuff at sale, little or no copyright, little or no patent. We are doing some unique things today that we can copyright and patent and we'll start doing that because we're centrally running it and there's just more a chance to, to you know to think.
0: The question for Zayo is how do you centralize in order to better deliver for customers, but not lose the great culture at the company that existed before?
1: We want to leverage this unique network that we've accumulated, and it's super unique in certain segments of it. We want to get our service excellence to a level that differentiates us against the big, slow competitors, and we want to have a culture. That actually differentiates us—a culture that is think big, get stuff done for our customers, and have fun doing it. One of the things I learned talking to our customers is that they love the zao nimbleness and the, the entrepreneurial spirit. So we don't want to lose that, even though we're getting pretty big now. You know, this is in excess of a two billion dollar U.S. company, three thousand employees, seventy-seven hundred customers. It's a big machine, and so part of rounding that off is to make sure that we have the systems and processes in place to make it scale, but also to have a culture that people want to deal with. So we want to make ourselves super easy to deal with. My benchmark for that is Amazon. When Amazon was built, whatever, 15, 16 years ago, you hit one button and you can get all kinds of stuff delivered to you. I'm not so sure we'll get this to a one button solution, Jeremy, but we're working on the concepts that make those great companies that are really easy to deal with fast and people like dealing with them. That's what we're going after here.
0: Steve makes a clear case for doing whatever needs to be done to deliver for customers. For Zayo, this includes recently providing more than a thousand miles of underground cable to connect important data hubs. Back in September 2021, Zayo announced it was entering the final construction phase to connect Atlanta to Dallas with 822 miles, Denver to Salt Lake City with 532 miles, and Eugene to Ridsport, Oregon with 88 miles. Clearly Zayo has the processes in place to deliver this at scale. And according to Steve, he is moving many of these systems to be more centralized. On the other hand, a decentralized structure can't be all bad if it helped Zayo be successful in the first place. Is there anything that should stay decentralized because it worked well? In other words, what is the right balance between decentralization and centralization?
1: Our customer go-to-market teams are, you know, I would call them decentralized. You know, we have strategic accounts. They're, they're scattered all over the world. We have large enterprises uh, account teams. They're, they're chasing about 2,200 accounts all over the world. The big centralization that we did was the, we pulled the P&L up to one P&L. We had multiple P&Ls. So you can imagine how many motivations we had for making bonus every quarter. So we have one motivation now. We have put the customer at the center of everything we do. We don't make an investment today without without rethinking about how it's going to help a customer. The centralization helped simplify accountability. I can go to one leader that reports to me, and I can give you anything you want to know about those three areas. You know, the support functions, finance, HR, legal, they're all still decentralized all over the market, you know, supporting the account teams. But the way to think about centralization, to scale a company, you've got to put your products, your operations, and your, your headquarters, your go-to-market, together under one roof, so to speak, even though they're, they're living all over the place, so that you can get faster at making decisions, you can streamline decision rights, and you can get everything aligned for speed.
0: Centralizing makes sense in order to get work accomplished at a high level. But is this sort of power driven by fear? and an unbridled, unquestioned authority? Or is there something else that can engender this sort of consensus?
1: When you go to West Point, you're in the military and you're a lieutenant, and a captain, you command units. You learn a lot about discipline. I learned about how to be disciplined with people and, and ideas. I learned a very critical thing that I use today. I call it the three L's. I listen, I learn, and then I lead. Listen, learn, and then lead. That has served me very, very well. I use that today in all my businesses. I've learned to act from understanding versus acting from bravado. Just because you're a colonel or a captain or a general, you can demand people to do things. In this world we live in, you've got to get people rattling around, having them understand why you want to go there.
0: For some people, centralization is like a bad word. It's bureaucracy. It's the man. For other people, they might feel that way about decentralization. That's like hippie stuff. In reality, everything is about the mission. Companies must have some centralization to scale and to run efficiently. They also need to have some decentralization for flexibility and to let smaller sectors, individuals, and ideas flourish. Zayo teaches us that we have to listen to the customers and then pivot to serve their current and future needs. In order to do so, there has to be a marriage between decentralization and centralization. Strong leadership bridges any divides, philosophical or actual, to achieve these objectives. As Steve says so skillfully, to achieve the mission, we have to listen, learn, and then lead. I don't know about you, but when I have a decision to make... I look for information. I may look through emails, documents, photos, and files in multiple places. And if I'm lucky, I find what I'm looking for. So it's amazing to me that while I have trouble finding a single file, some organizations' success hinges on making sure that the right people can get all the right information they need when and where they need it. Like hospitals, insurers, banks, and all sorts of businesses. I don't know how they do it, but our friends at Highland do. Highland empowers more than half of 2020 Fortune 100 companies with tools that help make sure the right information gets to the right folks easily and automatically and makes business processes smarter and more efficient. Highland is your X Factor for better performance. Go to highland.com forward slash insights to learn more. That's hylan dcom slash insights. You've been listening to Business X Factors, created and produced by our team here at Mission.org and brought to you by Highland. Are you enjoying this show? If so, I would be so grateful if you rated and reviewed us on Apple Podcasts, as this helps ensure that more listeners like you find this show and lets me know how I'm doing. If you enjoyed this episode and you want to dive deeper into the topics discussed, be sure to check out the resources section of our show notes where we've included helpful links articles, and books, including any stats or stories referenced in this episode. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Jeremy Bergeron, and I'll catch you next time on Business X
1: Factors.